this week's special weather. Three, <laughs> two, one. This special edition of the Major Spoilers Podcast is brought to you by Alan Waters. Waters. <laughs> From my end, there was like a nine second delay, but this one goes out to you. Major Spoilers theme song! The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. Pod- on, on the air. The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. On the air. Pod, pod, podcast. Rodrigo and I'm Stephen. If you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, 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 the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Hey everyone, welcome to a special fifth birthday celebration podcast from the Major Spoilers Experience. We're so glad that you could join us once again. The secret ingredient this week has been the number five, or more importantly, our top five. And as we wrap up our top fives for this week. We're handing it over to Rodrigo with this topic. This one is yours, right? No, I'm not nope, confusing it with Matthew. Matthew. Oh, also Matthew? This one's also Matthew. All right, we're turning it back over to Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> I could have swore that you all brought that up during our conversation. All the good ideas you yours. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's all right. I, I think what we're going to do is we're just going to change our names. Because That's you fine. keep trying to call him Matthew during the show. Sometimes I do. attribute everything I say to if, if I get, if Well, it's because I'm looking at, Ma- at Rodrigo half the time, mm-hmm. and you're just a voice in my head, which probably explains well, it. Which, which is actually head. true. I am so terrified of your psychosis, Stephen, that I just pretend like, I, Ma- you know, like I, Matthew is this, actually here. If he wasn't also in your head. It's just... So uh, yesterday, is so talented in his multiple personalities that he can talk over himself on a regular basis. <laughs> Part of that ventriloquism that I learned from uh, Zatara yesterday, in my early age. Yesterday, we had uh, top five action yesterday, girls. Yesterday, our time. Yes, yes, yesterday, our time. A couple of days ago, our time. We were recording something we'd like to call Critical Hit. Yes. Yay, we love a Critical Hit. Rodrigo, he genius. Yay. In Soviet Russia, Hit Critical's you. But... Rodrigo once again debuted something that I like to call things that make Matthew go glah. Oh yeah, yeah. Those of you who've been listening to the show, you remember he had uh, he had characters who were basically candles for heads, and their heads were melted, and characters that we that while they have zippers in their heads, we cannot call them the natural explanation. Because that is, in fact, an offensive phrase. But these flap-headed creatures, and every time they mention them, and Rodrigo goes out of his way to describe them, he, and they do this, and then he pauses for me to go, ah! <laughs> he, he did it to me again. And I started thinking about disturbing things, and specifically disturbing things in pop culture, like Rodrigo's endless body horror stories for me. Mm. So I started thinking we should do the top five disturbing things. And these can be things, or they can be pretty much anything that disturbs you about pop culture. Top five disturbing things in pop culture. I thought this was a Rodrigo topic, Mm -mm. but I guess it's a Matthew topic again. So we're going to make Matthew go last. All right. My name's Uh, Matthew and I go last because that's how I talk. Uh, for me, number that five. Is not my talk. 
Yeah. Number five for me is Matthew. No. <laughs> Actually, the top five for me should come Matthew, as no surprise. Now, these aren't, things that are, these aren't things that are just things that we hate. Right. These are things that we find disturbing. Right. And I've, I've talked about this show mm-hmm. many, many, many a time. Make way for Naughty. Naughty is so disturbing on so many levels, not because of the theme song, not because of the horrendous animation. It's disturbing because it has become a, it's a worldwide phenomenon, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing that's disturbing is the people who made this animated series, this 3D animated series, make no excuses for shoddy work in the show. Mm-hmm. And the one that always comes back to me, it's just disturbing that they would, you know, they would go this low and not care. There was an episode where uh, Naughty was the fire chief, or uh, I'm sorry, a China Doll or whatever her name was, was the fire became the fire chief of the of the town, and she's trying to get everybody to be on the volunteer team and to get them in shape. And there is an, a shot where um, we haven't watched the show in a couple of years, so I forget their names, but the the fix it man in town is sitting in the fire truck, and uh, the China Doll character is walking up and down and addressing everybody. And clearly you see the fix-it man sitting up in the fire truck, right? And then you cut to a shot of her dressing down everybody in town who didn't show up on time. And as you, and this is a reverse shot, so you're from the behind of the heads of everybody in line, and you're looking at her and you can see the fire truck in the background. As you're going down the line, you're seeing Mr. Fix-It Man's head <laughs> in the lineup. And it's like, well, that's, why is he, he was in the fire truck. And sure enough, if you look back in the fire truck, you see him sitting in the fire truck. <laughs> but wait a minute, that's not all, Rodrigo. If you look closely, he has no head in the fire truck. It's his body that's there. The animator simply took his head and said, we and need another head in, in this lineup. line, and they stuck his head in the lineup. Wow. And that's disturbing, not only the fact that now there's this disembodied head driving the fire truck, but they don't give a, sh- a shoot enough <laughs> about the quality of their production to fix that. Right. And the fact that this is a popular show. Mm. So for me, Naughty is a very disturbing item in pop culture. <laughs> Number five for Rodrigo is? Number five for me is one that, uh, it's a it's a trend okay. that, that I see a lot in movies, um, TV shows, you name it. Basically, it's... Um, you can explain anything through abuse. Like this person was abused mentally, physically, sexually. Therefore it's abuse is an origin Mm -hmm. is like this person is Mm -hmm. a pedophile because he was abused. This person is a saint because he was abused Mm -hmm. and he doesn't want the same thing to happen to somebody else. This person is a mass murderer because he was abused. It's like, it, it seems like, because abuse can be the source of everything, it seems that abuse can't actually be the source of anything, except that every episode of Law and Order, the characters are like, oh, yep, abuse, that's why he did it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and in other episodes, like, oh, abuse, yeah, that's why this this, this doesn't fit in. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like the exact opposite thing. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And as, as an audience member, I'm just supposed to... It's it's like they it's like a different color of kryptonite every episode, and I'm just supposed to say, oh well, it's kryptonite, I guess. You yeah, know, yeah. And everything can be explained that way. Yeah, yeah. That's bad that you have to fall off on that and, and make it a trend. Yeah. All right, Matthew, number five for you. 
Number five for me is actually a thought process as much as anything else. It probably falls under the heading of a trope, but I really hate it. It's, it's one thing when you're a creator to say, you know what? These are my influences. These are the things that came into and influenced my work. And, you know, you can see Batman as having been influenced by the shadow. And you can see the influence of, say, Hill Street Blues on top 10. But I really hate it when you can clearly say this is X meets Y. Hmm. You know, let's look at, uh, let's take the X-Men plus sliders and we'll call it Exiles, or right. let's take what did you, re- Stephen? You reviewed that Danger Girl comic, so we'll take James Bond meets Charlie's Angels. You yes. know, sometimes it results in really great stuff, like Pogo plus the Lord of the Rings equals Bone, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And Bone actually is more than the sum of its parts. Or let's say Watchmen. If you really break it down, Watchmen is kind of like Justice League meets Citizen Kane because it's all told as a flashback about this terrible person. But then you get moments like, and much as I love the book, Marvel Divas is the Avengers meets Sex in the City. And there's nothing other than that going on. Mm -hmm. Now, it was a charming sort of trifle, but it was just a trifle. You know, it was, it's a situation where if your book or your concept or your show or your movie is nothing more than X meets Y, then, you know, I think you've, you've come into a problem, a, a real problem in your actual characterization and your creation. So it makes me nuts when you're like, well, this is Avatar meets uh, John Cena. <laughs> what are we going to call it? I don't know. You can't, I, I you can't stick your hair tail into me. <laughs> <laughs> So X you know, or, or South Park meets Sesame Street. Yeah. X meets Y. I hate that. All right. Number four for me is something that I use every single day, but it's still disturbing in that I have access to your penis. Thousands of people, <laughs> thousands of people with your, Just, just let him, let him, let him. That's what I'm waiting. I'm just waiting for him to get let, it all let out him. Bur- let him burn out here. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll stop. You sure? <laughs> we good? You all right? If you mention Japan, I'm gone. But other than that, we're fine. So I use it every day. Con- have contact with thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people I've never met. <laughs> <laughs> Yet at the same time, I am deeply disturbed by how ingrained this has become in our society and how everybody feels like they should use this to post their thoughts and their opinions Mm. without really thinking about what they're posting. And I am, of course, talking about Twitter. Mm -hmm. 140 characters to express your concern. And, uh, you know, I I use it every day at Major Spoilers. Rodrigo uses it every day. Uh, A Fearsome Critter. Matthew uses it occasionally. Mighty King Cobra. But Matthew says he's not going to be on it for a couple of weeks. Because of this, uh, yep. was it Casey? What's it? What's a doodle? I didn't even follow anything about this murder. Honestly, car. I don't know anything about it. I don't know anything I know about that it either. My friends are up in arms, but everybody explodes all over the internet. Start. Everybody explodes all over Twitter to voice their concern, their opinion, whatever about anything, and they can actually make people celebrities who really don't need to be celebrities mm-hmm. because of trending topics, because of whatever the the soup du jour is, 
And it's disturbing that so many people put their faith into 140 characters, and 140 characters is nothing. Yeah. It gives you no context. It gives you no explanation. It gives you nothing. Yet we've become the society where it's, we need it now, we need it fast, we need it immediately, but we don't put things into context and we don't give things full information. And half the times when we retweet in order to get that 140 characters, we're trimming off stuff. So it's not even the full source. Well, and have you and you've seen it, you know, people get put on 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 notice or outright fired because something happens. They tweet about it. Yeah. And their bosses are like, oh, that was insensitive. You're fired. Yeah. It's disturbing. Uh, you know, uh, just Twitter Gilbert. in itself is disturbing. Although I like it. Mm-hmm. It's still a disturbing thing in pop culture. That's my number four. My number four is it, it's 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 not so much a, a a a looming disturbing thing. It's 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 really just something that I'm tired of, but it's also disturbing, sort of on a on a social level. Um, basically, I kind of want either to be done with or to get some new um, stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Because I'm tired of, and basically I'm just tired of the jokes that people make about them. I'm tired at, you know, it's like, you have that one friend who's French. And everybody's like, oh, you're going to surrender? You're going to surrender? You're going to do everything? Surrender? And it's like, there's more to France. Can you at least make a joke about cheese uh, cheese, or not, not shaving your armpits yeah, yeah, yeah. or you know, something like that? You're yeah. going to build an impenetrable fortress around your house that everybody can just walk through anyway? Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, you're gonna you're gonna donate a giant statue to my country to, as, as a sign of goodwill. Ha ha ha! You <laughs> stupid French. <laughs> um, and that goes for a lot of other things as well. You know, it's you're like you're gonna slice up and deep fry some potatoes. Yep, exactly. The you know the whole like, oh, it's a Chinese restaurant. Let's make some, you know, meowing noises or barking, barking noises yeah, yeah. or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it's yeah. not, it's not, it doesn't even disturb me that it's racist. It disturbs me that it's the same freaking joke that I keep hearing from everybody. Right. And I get that common people who aren't comedians and who don't think about funny things all the time should have their own jokes that they tell to each other. Yeah. But... Uh, they should at least work up a repertoire. I mean, <laughs> come on. Rodrigo can only stand the same racial slurs towards him so many times a day. It's true. It's I, I'm not even offended because it's like a Cyrano the Bergerac thing. I'm not even offended because somebody throws an ethnic slur. It's because they throw an unimaginative <laughs> ethnic slur at me. That's right. <laughs> Why, this man is so Mexican, you could wait. <laughs> You know what? If you can find a way to insult Rodrigo's heritage and iambic pentameter, he'll probably buy you a drink afterwards. Probably. Matthew, number four for you, please. Number four, number four, number four, number four, number four. Well, mine, hit number four, is actually one of the ones that kind of led to this whole thought process. It's one of the Your first penis? things that popped into my head. <laughs> <laughs> One of the first things that popped into my head Your after penis? Rodrigo's disgusting <laughs> alternate creatures. You having fun now? <laughs> comic books share, and I've, I've made this argument before, comic books share many, many tenets in common with only one other form of media. And it's one that is diametrically opposed in terms of its its actual audience, 
to the comic book audience. And of course, I'm referring to soap operas. Soap operas have the same problem that comic books do in that it's dramatic as hell to have somebody be pregnant and have a baby. But then what do you do with the baby? Soap operas have the magical time traveling boarding school where right. a girl can go away for five years and come back and be 18. Yeah. In comics, they don't just put you on a bus. You have to be from the future to the point where at this point, approximately 20% of the X-Men consist of Scott Summers' children from the future, multiple futures. At one point, um, Franklin Richards went forward in time and became a clone grown-up Franklin child from the future. And it makes me very angry when, you know, we age these kids up to the you know, ubiquitous 24 to 29 range and turn them into a superhero. And then we also try and deal with the fact that their parents are the 24 to 29-year-olds two rows over when they do the badass power walk group shot at the end of whatever the latest crossover is. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's cheap. It's, it's bad storytelling and it's come, it really has become a cliche to one degree. I could, I could forgive them Rachel Summers because when it happened to Rachel Summers, it was one of the first times it ever happened, but then it happened again and then it happened again and it happened to, you know, so many characters and it really did happen to three different offspring of Scott Summers or Jean Grey or Scott Summers and Jean Grey to the point where they're actually using the cliche to feed a new cliche. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, I want the clone children from the future to stop the clone children from the future. I don't care what you do. You can do magic. You can do something. But I'm just tired of this, you know, de-aging thing. Oh, by the way, they spent X number of years in the future. Mwahaha. Drives me up the wall. So annoying children from the future are annoying and disturbing. And Steven's penis. <laughs> <laughs> Number three for me is totally annoying and it's disturbing again on a couple of different levels. The annoying orange. Uh, Matthew, have you seen the annoying orange? I think I have. 11 um, is it million the, like the views. Orange with, the, with the clutch cargo face. Yes. Not only is yeah, it not an original it. idea. I don't necessarily find all of their annoying orange comedy bits humorous. Right. And yet it's they're, disturbing they're that miss. it's yet disturbing that so many people find this so funny that this is being turned into a show for Comedy Central. Mm -hmm. That's disturbing. On many, many different levels. Why can't they just be a little bit more creative? Why can't they go back to Sesame Street and have the little spaghetti lips? Annoying Orange, I'm sorry. Maybe you can say, you just don't get it, man. You're too old to understand what the Annoying Orange is. No, no, I'm really sure. not. It says it right there in the title. It's the Annoying Orange. Mm -hmm. And it's a disturbing trend that we keep so much praise on something that is really not that good. Mm -hmm. That's my number three. My number three is... um. Something that I uh, find deeply troubling, and that's the uh, <laughs> yes, that's, yeah, okay, so yeah. <laughs> All right, my three point five thing that I find very troubling is Steven's penis, <laughs> <laughs> but only because of the stuff it says. 
back in the box. No. <laughs> I did not think so. You think you are so smart, but you are not. <laughs> anyway, no. Um, God, that was awful. <laughs> That's what happens when we record at 1230 in yeah, the morning. No, that, that, that does. We, we need to get cracking on yes, this. Yes, we do. It's um, definitely stupid o'clock. Um, no, my, my problem is the, uh, in the United States that, uh, liberal conservative, like partisanship and that seeping into my TV shows, mm. um, and, and just, uh, definitely, I mean, obviously if you watch something like the daily show, that's the whole point of the daily show right. is to make fun of stuff right, like right, that. Right. And the Colbert report is and the, the same way. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but to see that in an episode of House or to see that in an episode of Law and Order, and I keep picking on, on House and Law and Order, and I think it's because, you know, they have multiple writers writing them, and every once in a while you get a writer with an agenda on there. Right. And all of a sudden you see this weirdly out-of-character thing that is either, like, so pinko commie, you know... Right, wackiness, right, or so you know, true blooded American, you know, we don't call 911 because we've got guns, right, kind of stuff. Um, and it's just like all it's like all of a sudden you're watching this show and it just shuts down mm-hmm. so that somebody can tap dance in front of you for five minutes and and talk to you about a very important uh, life lesson that you should learn, and then they roll the credits. And you see that Dick Wolf was somehow involved, <laughs> um, and it and it's just so obnoxious, so obnoxious to have to sit through that and be be lectured. And I guess that could go for anything, you know. They could be like, uh, that's not a, that's vaccines, not a, or yeah, yeah. it could be something else. But there's something about those politics because there are perfectly valid arguments on either side mm-hmm. that are then completely steamrolled by ridiculous pundits. Right. Right. Yeah, I can understand that, and that's probably why I don't watch a lot of television. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I should say regular network television, right? You know, children's programming is generally fine, <laughs> although you'll find a lot of that in children's programming too. IPad. Well, and uh, and that's actually that's another problematic trend. Not so much that you find that, or rather, not so much that that stuff exists in children's programming, but that people find it. In oh, children's yeah, 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 programming, yeah, 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 yeah. and we'll say, well, this That's just a liberal agenda. Yep, make this TV show is too liberal. This TV show is too conservative, and it's just educational. You yeah. know, it's just this are yeah. scientific facts that the scientific community all agrees on. There is no agenda here. Yeah, we just want the babies to learn, right. and you still get shut down because someone else has an agenda. Because Katy Perry looks too slutty in that yes. in that dress with Elmo. That's right. Matthew, number, what are we on? Three. Number three for you, please. Number three, number three. My number three is actually somewhat related to Rodrigo's, and it tends to show up in the same places. And honestly, lately, they've been making House the show over and over again, because House is about a a guy who's really, really good at what he does, who's surrounded by people who aren't as good, and he is inept and horrible. And also Bones and also Castle, and also about five or six other shows that have that same formula. Mm -hmm. But what it all breaks down to 
You see it on House. You see it on CSI. You see it on a show called Lie to Me, which, oh, my God, I hated Lie to Me. Hated it. Forensics is magic. You ever watch an episode of Numbers? No. Numbers. They'll be like, yes, this new... This numerical theory proves this, and so the killer did it. And I'm like, but but what about randomness? What about, you know, noise? What about interpretation? What about the fact that that same response could also possibly prove that the customer, that the, you know, the person is not guilty? If you watch CSI and CSI New York, they'll be like, well, I found this tiny cluster of bone, and in this bone is a bug that only shows up in certain points of the bayou, which proves he did it. The the amount of of I can't even remember the word now. Wankery. What's that word where they have to take something? No, no. When they when they go to like long and convoluted lengths to set something up. Matthewisms. Yeah, that thing. No. <laughs> Basically, they're having to go to such lengths to create these inexplicable clues that it might as well not even have been noticeable. You know, it's it's something where the convolution is so deep that we are to believe, we're honestly to believe things like, it's the equivalent of, you remember that Sherlock Holmes story where he figured out that the man was an intellectual by the size of his hat? Yeah. Because phrenology in Sherlock Holmes' time was, that was, you know, scientific fact and they could prove it. It was a common theory and everybody believed it. It's kind of like that. It gets to the point where if you watch these procedurals enough, you start to wonder why there are so many unsolved crimes, because it's obvious that every single crime has three different things that point, <laughs> you know, exactly to the right person. Right. Or why would anybody why would anybody go to the hospital and not know what's going on? After all, Dr. House can figure out with three seconds of watching you, or what's his face? You know, Dr. Leitner can see the micro expressions on your face and First of all, it makes us all look dumb because real world situations are never that cut and dried and they're never that, you know, put together specifically so that you can make the character look genius. But second of all, it really suspends my disbelief too far. I can't sit there for five minutes and believe that, you know, one person in the United States knew about this particular type of beetle that miraculously happened to be right there because forensics is magic. Well, they also don't, you know, here people are still at the crime scene uh, cleaning up the mess and suddenly we've got the DNA evidence back. No, I'm sorry. That takes a couple of weeks to get that done, even on a rough rough job. Um, Now we get into our number twos. Japan. Ah! Tentacle porn Mm -hmm. is disturbing as all hell. I don't know what the attraction is. I don't know what the interest is. But tentacle porn rape in any form is just disturbing. Mm-hmm. And this is from somebody who has seen a lot and done a lot of stuff just in general all my life. But uh, this, uh, somebody even mentions it. I'm like, no, thank you, please. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I don't understand what the allure is, mm-hmm. uh, but it is very disturbing. That's my number two. Hey, my number two is also about Japan because <laughs> Japanese people are weird, and that's and I say that with a lot of love. We've gotten a lot of great things out of the weirdness of Japanese people. Yes, we have, and we've also gotten a lot of disturbing things about the over the weirdness of Japanese people. Digital porn. I, I think you just got to take the good in with the bad, but I refuse to take this in with the good. Um, 
a lot of really mainstream non-porn anime, although well, it blurs the definition really at some point, right. is including a lot of torture stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of like... That was... All right. I watched the first episode of this anime called Rin, mm-hmm. R-I-N, mm-hmm. Um, which is about this super cool private eye chick who has Wolverine powers. Basically, she can regenerate uh, from death. Okay. Basically, she comes back to life and reconstitutes herself. Yeah. And just in that first episode, the first episode is all I've seen. Just in that first episode, she gets captured by a sadist. Mm-hmm. And this sadist chick runs a piercing through every inch of her body, Ugh. including and very prominently, you know, make sure that you know her nipples and her genitals. Hmm. I, I and then yeah. and then after you go through the scene in which this happens, you go through the scene in which she springs back to life and has to rip all this stuff out of her body in gore detail. Uh, they Graphic do detail. they do shy away from some of it, but you get to see the hooks just drop on plates and things like that. And it's like you know, I get that your own mind can construct right much worse things and honestly now i don't really it's been a while since i watched it i don't really remember how much of it they actually show you they show you plenty well i mean um, but is it only an anime or is it just just the trend in general in japanese stuff because you see uh what's the um machine man uh, is it a cure the machine man uh that movie where it's just total let's show you all the graphic well, violence and and, and and that can go to but but here's the thing I guess I should have read the description because I know what Saw is. Mm-hmm. I know what Hostile is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't watch them because I don't like that right, crap. Right. But when I see an anime that has a pretty lady on it and it's like something about a private investigator, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll check this out. And I'm like, ah! Yeah. You know? that's It was not on my list, but it was going to be the ones that, ha- if it hadn't been brought up, was going to be another one was the gore gore horror movie yep, type yep, stuff, that yep. genre. I'm not thinking of uh, Akira the Machine Man. I'm thinking of Tetsuo the Machine Man. Right. right. Uh, that's the one I'm thinking of. Um, yeah, so I, I'm right up there with you. And I think tentacle right. porn and disturbing, gory graphic mm-hmm. anime or TV or movies or whatever are right, up, right in there. Matthew, what about you for number two? Mine is actually along that same line, uh, not necessarily specific to Japan, although I'm sure it comes up. For me, when I see certain portions of the anatomy injured, threatened, damaged, I go, Blaharg! Um, it, you have a love of Kill Bill, yes, Steve? It's It's a good movie, but it's... It borders on it that graphic movie. violence, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm when I'm talking about graphic violence, I'm talking about Rob Zombie's like, let's just yeah. cut them open and sh- see the entrails fall out. Right, that's 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 a little different. But yeah. do you remember the sequence where Beatrix has to fight the girl that she already fought, and in the previous fight she gotten her eye ripped out? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Beatrix ripped ripped out her other eye. Yep. Ah, injuries or threats to the eye horrify me and it's one of the reasons i think why um gotham what is it the uh the arkham asylum graphic novel that grant morrison wrote where the joker is sitting there and you hear this weird noise and he's talking about this beautiful nurse and her beautiful eyes and then he just casually mentions that he's sharpening a pencil Mm. 
Ah, or that, you know, the same Joker sort of thing happening in The Dark Knight. Cannot watch that sequence. And it happens Mm -hmm. all the time in comics. And, of course, part of the reason why is because Frederick Wortham's Seduction of the Innocent specifically named and created the injury to the eye motif and, you know, made it a thing in comics. So you'll see things like uh, DC's character Mr. E Mm -hmm. has no eyes. There's a reason why. You remember The Dark Knight Returns? Yes. Where does Joker get hit with that batarang? In the eye. In the eye. <laughs> yeah. You remember the Corinthian from the Sandman? Yeah. I know awesome. I do. Yeah, he creeps me out. And do you remember when Spider-Man like died and rebuilt himself and turned into a thing and had real shooters and fought that yeah, guy yeah. who fought Yeah, yeah, spiders? he was uh he was uh, rebuilt in the image of the mythical spider. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, like that. Do you remember when the guy ripped out Spider-Man's eye and ate it? Because I know I do. <laughs> now we know Horrible. what a future uh, critical oh. hit monster is going to be. Yeah. Something that I rips think out I, eyes. I think I kind of hit on it accidentally at least a couple times just with weird eyeball monsters. So you're yeah. specific to the eye? And, you know, but is that a, is that a disturbing trend in it, pop? Okay. Yeah, it definitely is. Do you remember when Jean-Luc Picard was turned into a Borg and that close-up? of Patrick Stewart's face zooming in on the eye as the little Borg drill came closer to his face. Do you remember that? I do! (laughs) I mean, I can give you dozens of examples because it always sticks with me when it happens. I think there's one in like a Hellboy movie. Um, And it's one of the reasons that I can't watch any of the Saw films Although the sequence where the girl gets cut in half by her two warring boyfriends is another good reason for it. You'll even see it, you know, in completely weird places. You remember Buffy? Mm-hmm. When uh, Nathan Fillion shows up and they're like, let's show how tough this guy is. He goes, he says to Xander, you're the one who sees everything. And he rips out Xander's eye and says, not anymore. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> Make it stop. I want a poster. Uh, I'm good now. Along with that, the Prince Albert. Uh, Number one for me. Hmm. Of uh, disturbing things in pop culture. <laughs> is I was right. Is Lady Gaga. <laughs> and I put Lady Gaga at the top of the one of the most disturbing things in pop culture. Because yeah. in all her weirdness in trying to show off... She's really not doing anything original, number one, because, I mean, I'm sure someone has wore a meat suit before, uh, but it's number one, it's not original. Yeah, Buffalo and, Bill in Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, <laughs> she's a big fat girl, wasn't she? Um, puts the lotion in the basket. <laughs> puts the lotion in the basket or it gets to, puts the lotion on the skin or it gets to hose again. Um, but even some of her music, while it's good, you can hear as being heavily influenced by other things like Madonna. And yet she's saying, Oh no, this is all original me. So in her attempt to be weird and original and disturbing and to shock value people and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. She's also repeating these things, you know, uh, copying these things from other people. And the message she's passing on to people is be like me, be original. And so you've got all these people going, yes, I want to be just like Lady Gaga. Let me do this exact weird hairstyle or face makeup that she just did. And I'm original, too. 
and it's maybe not just Lady Gaga, although she's the big the big thing right now mm-hmm. uh, for people to want to imitate. And I mean, Madonna was the same way when Madonna was popular in the 80s. And you can go look at basically any pop group where people want to be like them. But it's disturbing that so many people want to be like Lady Gaga or want to be like Moby or want to be like... I don't think a lot of people want to be like Moby. <laughs> Except maybe you, Stephen. <laughs> but you, you get that idea of where, where I'm coming yeah. from, that it's very disturbing that people are just so willing to just throw away their own originality mm-hmm. and take on everybody else's. I've, I've told you my theory about Lady Gaga, right? Which is? Um, that she is a clone of Madonna from 1972? No, no, no. I think, I think that Lady... I'm pretty sure Lady Gaga uh, went to, I think, NYU, mm-hmm. um, studied music there, and I think that at, at some point... She realized that a people are idiots. Right. B you can get famous on the same three notes. Right. Uh, same three chords. Um. And she just said, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna become a superstar by recycling stuff that has been done before by doing mm-hmm. completely over the top ridiculous things that mm-hmm. don't actually mean anything, mm-hmm. and then ascribing meaning to them in retrospect. Right. Once I see what people are doing, and she's succeeding at it. It's well. I, in that I, case, she's very smart. But at the same time, it's more disturbing though what her fans are doing. Well, it's disturbing that she's right. If, yeah. if, if this this uh, yeah. this mythical uh, red skull type Gaga in my in my mind. <laughs> so that's my number one. Lady Gaga is one of the most disturbing things in pop culture. Um, for me, my number one is the Real Housewives of something something. Yes. Oh my God! Real There's... Housewives of something something, or just reality television in general? It's Okay, it's not reality television in general because I think that there are nuggets of brilliance hidden mm-hmm. in, in reality TV. Mm-hmm. The thing that I don't like is reality TV where the whole point is that we just follow these incredibly bitchy people around right. as they are passive aggressive to each other. Right. That just seems like the most awful, torturous thing. Like, I would rather, seriously. I would rather watch Saw than watch an equivalent amount of time of The Real Housewives of Orange mm-hmm. County mm-hmm. because I've seen one episode, one episode of The Real Housewives of whatever that was. Yeah. And it was awful. Nothing happened except people bitching at each other over something that didn't even happen within the span of the show. Right. It is just insane, insane to me that people will be that that people watch these groups of people be horrendously passive aggressive to each other and yet continue to hang out and i get the sense that it's not that they're forced to get it's not like big brother right where people are forced together and obviously right. very mechanically forced to to be together because of the show right these are people who willingly wake up in the morning go hang out with bitches be bitches or be nice to each other sort of yeah, yeah. while still being passive aggressive then go home and be bitchy to each other and try to backstab each other it's like that is just awful. If I was ever in a situation like that, I would leave. I would leave automatically. I mm-hmm. cannot bring myself to even watch any of these shows. And yet you sit here on this podcast week after week as Matthew and I go at each other. Yeah. And actually, Matthew and I just joke around half the time. So yep. if yeah, we really wanted to, if we really wanted Stephen to and I, Stephen and I argue like brothers. <laughs> right. And we argue or like frat brothers, brothers something like that, you know. And it's like yeah. we don't really care because at the end of the day, it's doesn't matter to us yeah if matthew wants to make jokes about my penis at the end of the day we're we're both (laughs) passive aggressive as hell so we're fine 
the the thing is is that you are not not anywhere on oh this i know level. And, and and that's the and but the thing that's so disturbing is real housewives of orange county spin off the housewives of new york the real housewives of atlanta the real housewives of san francisco blah 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 blah, blah, blah. and it's that's why i was asking about reality series in general because it's just like and I know I don't, I, I try not to use foul language on this show, but mm-hmm. a lot of what's on television right now is just shit. It really is just excrement on top of excrement. Oh, yeah. And I just, you know, today we canceled half of our cable programming because mm-hmm. it's just like we don't watch it. We have no interest in watching half. it. Yes, we canceled the left half and we're totally <laughs> conservative on the right half. Yes. Um, you know, we just, it's just. I don't watch that. I, I would rather block those channels out. Mm-hmm. And if it was, I, I really wish we could do cable a la carte. You know, I wish they would push that through because there would be probably six channels that we would subscribe to. Mm-hmm. And still, even then, we'd probably only watch those half of the time. Yep. It's just, uh, it's disturbing that people like those reality shows or the Real Housewives shows. I mean, I've never watched an episode yeah. of, of Jersey, Shore. Jersey Shore. I haven't either. Don't need to. It's dumb. I can tell you that right away. It's dumb. It's dumb dummies That's being dumb. That's why I watch The Soup. They'll show me yeah. anything that was funny, and everything else they'll mock. Yeah. I dumb haven't dummies seen an episode being of Oprah dumb. in 20 years. But. All right, Matthew. It's down to you. What is the number one if you, disturbing thing in pop culture? If you've listened to the Major Spoilers podcast, and I know some of you have, the Matthew fans are out there, and they're all about to say it with me. I hate child endangerment as a plot point. I hate it, I hate it, and I also kind of dislike it. And this dates back even to before I had a child of my own. You know, when I was in, in high school, and I think everybody went through this phase where they're like, oh, you know, we're going to tell dead baby jokes. Hated them. Could not stand dead baby jokes. You know, one of my favorite Stephen King films, and this probably says more about me than the film, Pet Cemetery. Mm-hmm. It's creepy. It's moody. It's awful. But it also has that whole thing with the four-year-old boy and the big Mack truck and how those things just don't go well together. I cannot watch that part. I hate that part. I hate it when... And I, I think it may just come down to the fact that they're they're so overtly manipulating me. They are obviously grabbing at that, you know, that fear, that primal level of, you know, you're a grown-up and it is your job to make sure that, you know, that bad things don't happen to children and your children specifically. And it may be that, you know, I grew up as the kid who looked out for the other kids because I was the tallest and the strongest or whatever. But I they had an episode or an issue of Batman back in the day where the Joker was holding a child at gunpoint. Right. And somehow, you know, this was, first of all, supposed to be worse than all of the other things that the Joker had done. But it was like this cheap shorthand way of showing us how he's really more eviler now. You know, it's just such a, a, a blatantly manipulative thing. And if you look at it, you know, it's not like I hate Disney movies. Disney movies are full of this. You know, Disney movies actually have more dead parents than dead children. But even so, you know, it's all about that, that it's a trigger, basically. They're, they're reaching into my head and they're trying to find the thing that's going to make me go, blah. 
And unlike, you know, Rodrigo's thing with creepy creatures that mutate human thing, or even, you know, with the injury to the eye thing, it feels like I'm conscious of people going, look, look how evil, look how evil, you know? And it, it, it can come in the weirdest places in, um, one of the few places that it ever worked for me, the killing joke. Because the child in question was a grown child who mm-hmm. was also a superhero. And Jim Gordon's, you know, Jim Gordon's utter destruction at what happened to his daughter was even worse than himself being tortured. It worked there. But I think part of the reason that it worked is that the child in question was actually grown up. Still his daughter, you know, still his offspring. But it's not something where I'm, you know, being manipulated by someone trying to kill off a seven-year-old. I'll occasionally, I think every parent has that thing where you have that terrible nightmare and you just mm-hmm. kind of walk across the hallway and you watch. And as long as the blanket goes up and down, you can go back to bed. You know, I do that. But I think that, you know, it's even more than that. It's, it's something that is just, it's overdone. It's cheap. It's blatant. And if you are doing it and you're in the industry and you're listening right now and you're a writer or, you know, an artist, a director, whatever. Knock it the hell off, would you please? I'm trying to read over here. What's the uh, what's the reason for all of these disturbing things becoming so popular? Mm-hmm. I mean, some of them are well, just really trivial. Some of them are just real trivialities. I mean, naughty. That's my own personal disturbing right. things. But as as I noticed as yeah. I moved up my list, things became more and more global, mm-hmm. larger issue type things. Well, I I think part of it is and and. You know, it's it's that they're still relatively fresh. Yeah. Um, you know, even the whole like people unlike the three of us, people haven't caught on to the fact that somebody endangering a child is the the easiest hook that you can have to 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 tug on somebody's emotional uh, right. person. Right. You know, so we see it. And they use it. You know, there's a ha- there are writers out there who are like, oh, I know, you know, knife to the eye. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Because that's disturbing. Right. That is automatically visceral. And mm-hmm. uh, obviously, eye injuries have always been around. You know, I remember, was it the... Right. Um, Pencil to the Eye last year at San Diego Comic-Con? Well, no. I was going to say that uh, there was a zombie movie. It was Night of the Living... It wasn't Night of the Living Dead. There's a zombie movie that has a really, really disturbing scene mm-hmm. featuring an eye injury, mm. um, and that was ma- that movie was made in the 70s or 60s or 70s. Yeah, um, Which the one, one that it? I'm thinking of, I don't remember what it's called, but it's one of the early ones. Well, it might what, be like Romero's first. What one. What happens? Um, basically, there's a zombie on the other side of the door. He, the zombie mm-hmm. breaks partially through the door, grabs onto this woman and starts pulling her towards You're thinking it. of Darius Darius Argento, I think, is zombie. Uh, yeah, and he pulls her eye. Uh, yeah, basically he keeps pulling one. and because of the way that the splinters are, the the it it's obvious that the splinter is going to drive into her eye. You know, things like that. Un chien andalus, of course. Mm-hmm. But these are things that modern writers are just latching onto because they're easy. Right. You know, and that goes for the child endangerment and for, like, all of the torture porn stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, yeah. these, you know, these things will hopefully not just get, uh, you know, embraced to the point where they are a normal thing. Right. 
hopefully eventually they will be rejected for the cliches that they are even though they're only future cliches i'm sure both of you have seen the movie idiocracy yeah have you seen that yep are we headed that direction? Because it just seems no. like every time I turn around, it's like there's no. one more thing that's pushing us closer and closer to that global dumbening that is uh, going every to time, kill us all. Yeah. Every time something stupid happens, I think that there are equivalent things that aren't stupid. What it really comes down to is that there's no such thing as a niche market anymore. Uh, it's the same thing that we're running into in comics, where people are like, oh, look, comics are turning into movies, and millions of people are watching them. Yes. And then they're saying Green Lantern sucks. You know, it, there's no such thing as a a side market. You don't have to go and, you know, you don't have to go to a special store to buy books about your particular interest. And whether that particular interest means... You know, two women sniping at each other on television or imagining the lifestyles of the rich and famous or, you know, seeing people doing inappropriate things to inappropriate people. It's all come to the forefront. And I think part of it is an example of everybody is willing to let their freak flag fly, no matter how freaky that thing is, you know, stuff that that even 10, 15 years ago. Go ahead. Yes. Oh, no, you. Okay. I was going to say, and even, and that is part of a cycle. Right. You know, you go through conservative cycles, then you go through liberal cycles, conservative, liberal, conservative, liberal. Is, you know, if you look at modern texts and literature going back through the centuries in, in any given society, you'll see, you know, stories about how women cannot control their lust. Mm-hmm. And then before that, Stories about how women are basically all women are prudes and men are, you know, sexual deviants right. at all times. Right. And then back to women are lusty and then back to women are prudes and then back mm-hmm. to women are lusty. Right. You know, and you just see that over and over again. But when you're in it, when you're living it, you're like, what is the deal with this? Why is everything like this? And the the reason is, is because that's the um the section of the pendulum that we're at. Right. You know? There's no right now. There's no highbrow culture. Mm-hmm. You know, very everything wealth, is dick and fart jokes. Very wealthy people, very intelligent people. They all like the same stuff. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, that's all going to collapse, and we're gonna get again things that only smart people like. Things that only not so smart people like. We'll get that di- that distinction of what's coarse and vulgar and what's refined. Okay. Speaking of, uh, let's let's leave on a little happier note. I'm going to put Matthew on the spot, and I'll put myself on the spot. And Rodrigo, you're sure to join in. One of Ma- uh, one of Matthew's biggest influences, uh, comedy wise, if you've listened to this show for 320 episodes, is George Carlin. Right, Matthew. What are your top three George Carlin routines? <laughs> well, I probably can't say them. Actually, I probably can't. We well, don't have to recite the routine. Um, I just want to know what the the name of the routine. Icebox Man. Okay. I don't know if you ever heard this. It's off a place for my stuff. George mm-hmm. starts just talking about his. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the and the how egg. I am the what? man who's in charge yeah, of the yes. icebox. What yeah. is it? Is it meat or is it cake? Yes. It's meat, it's meat cake. cake. Yes, is that is bad? a very good routine. Smell it. Yep. It has no. That's smell not the at all. end it's of good. a chicken. That's not the beginning of a chicken. That's the end. <laughs> it yeah. gets, uh, yeah, that, that is a good it's one. Okay, not, that's yeah. one. It's not the end of an egg. It's the beginning of a chicken. The second one, my second favorite, is completely inexplicable. And I think it's off Toledo Window Box. 
which is one of George's earlier albums, sort of a mid-period. It is not one of his uh, more successful albums. And it's a period where if you read George's biography, he actually talks about how he felt it sucked. But there's a bit that's just a really short bit called Water Says. Mm -hmm. And he's standing there, and all of a sudden he just goes off. And he admits that this is not a written joke. This is just stream of consciousness. I'm water. I'm ice. I used to be water. I'm hoping to be water again. After the Ice Age. But there's two kinds of ice in the world. There's your little ice in the cubes, and there's the kind of ice that you get on a mail pouch sign in Minnesota, January 21. And then all of a sudden, he goes right back into his stuff. And I'm just like, what What was that? <laughs> it's not even overtly funny stuff, but it's just, oh, my God, you have to love it. Right. You have to love that moment where a funny guy is being funny. The joke didn't go where it was supposed to go. And he admits that it was not successful. But just seeing that, it's like seeing into his head in that thought process. Yeah. And then, of course, the, the quintessential one that went through many, many uh, different iterations, the seven dirty words, but specifically the version of the seven dirty words that was on his HBO special, Carlin at Carnegie. Mm -hmm. because it was like it was like a 10-year special or something it was one of his first big ones of the 80s but the filthy words sketch that used to be seven dirty words right originally when it's when it first appeared on like uh, class clown seven dirty words the seven words you can never say on television right carlin at carnegie it was literally a 20-minute tour de force. He says, the list has gotten a little longer, and he pulls out this piece of paper, and he drops it, and it turns out to be this scroll that just falls <laughs> and rolls across the floor, and right. he just starts reading, and he goes, and he goes, and he goes, and when you think it's over, he'll pause, and then he'll go some more. It's like 200, 250 different obscene words or phrases or you know different blue bits. And it's like, it's his tour de force moment. And it may be the last time that he did the seven dirty words in one of his actual specials or um, albums. But, mm -hmm. oh, my God, is it is it? It's funny. You've got to love that. For me, uh, I, I love George Carlin. I love Eddie Murphy. Uh, but for me, my favorite comedian of all time is Bill Cosby, mm -hmm. especially early, early, early yeah. Bill Cosby before he got all... We've got to do it for the kids in the jello pudding. Da, 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 da. Um, you know, I, I was really surprised that his first album is Bill Cosby is a very funny fellow, right? Because that's the one that everybody always references his stuff from. Noah uh, is a great, great routine. But for me, there's some albums What's that are that are. <laughs> yeah. What's an arc? Uh, you got two cubits. Um, his one of my favorite albums. What's a cubit? Uh, one of my favorite Bill Cosby albums of all times is Wonderfulness, because there are two tracks on that album that I think are hysterical. The first one is uh, Chicken Heart, and if you've never listened to the Chicken Heart, it is a great tale of getting freaked out from listening to scary stuff when mom and dad aren't around, mm -hmm. uh, where he ends up spreading mm -hmm. jello all over the floor, and his dad comes in and says, what the, ah! you know, it's just, oh, dad, the chicken heart's going to get us. And it, he does it so well because he's incorporating the sound effects at the same time he's telling the story, and the beats are just so perfect. So Chicken Heart is really a great one. Um, Go-Karts is another one, where they talk about building these go-karts and, and riding down not Lombard Street, but riding down the street that empties out into traffic. So, um, go-karts, the chicken heart. 
There's another album that it's about 30 minutes of his routine is de- devoted to this tale of hi- of him and his brother Russell going to sleep. And it's the album's called To Russell, My Brother Whom I Slept With. And it's a 30-minute routine of just them going to sleep and making noise and the dad in the other room, you boys want me to come in there with the whip or the belt? Whoop. We had to be quiet because we had never seen the belt, but we knew the belt was nine feet long, nine feet wide, and had hooks on it that would tear the flesh off your body. <laughs> and it's just a gr- it's just a great routine. Um, and then um, the other one I was just looking for because I was trying to find out which one it was, and I think it's off when I was a kid. Um, but Buck Buck is another great because that's the first time we we're ever introduced to Fat Albert and the Cosby kids, which would later become a big mm-hmm. success. But it's this where you bend over, one kid grabs the light post and bends over, and then the kid bends over and grabs him until you have this long line. And then all these other kids would come running and jump on those kids to see how many kids they could pile up on there hmm. to um, mm-hmm. to to break the, the buck buck and become the winner. And then he tells this great story of here comes Fat Albert, <laughs> and everybody's like, "Oh no!" You know the Buck Buck game is pretty much over when Fat Albert shows up. Um, Fat Albert was so big he would blot out the sky, <laughs> and it's just it's wonderful. But if you haven't, I mean, some really good Bill Cosby, and it's clean humor. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing wrong with with yeah. dirty humor because Bill Cosby can get dirty when he talks about the difference between men and women. Um, but um, mm-hmm. the the go kart chicken heart. Um, Buck Buck and To My Brother Russell are four great routines that are worth worth listening to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have anything, Rodrigo? Do you want to participate or? Uh, yeah, I like comedy. What, um, what are your which? Who's your biggest comedy influence? Actually, it's 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 funny because you know I've I've heard a lot of stand up comedians and and uh, um, but I've just kind of had heard a few and and wasn't really big into stand up comedy, believe it or not. But the 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 first time somebody sat me down and showed me Dressed to Kill, mm-hmm. Eddie Izzard, mm-hmm. I just laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed and had to excuse yes. myself to change my <laughs> pants and came back and kept laughing yeah. and almost had to do it a second time, you know? And the amazing thing about it is that the second time I watched it, mm-hmm. I laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed and, you know, I, I bought it for my little brother. Right. And I sat him down, and I bought it for him for Christmas, and we sat down, and he was like, oh, okay, yeah, let's watch it. And, like, I got my dad and my sister, and they laughed and laughed and laughed. And, like, I mean, you're talking about, like, mm. my dad, who, you know, English is a is a second language. Obviously, he's, he speaks it well, but there's right. a lot of nuance there. And even, you know, to him, like, this is this is a British guy making jokes in English that are making a Mexican guy laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it is just uniformly hilarious. You know, the the little, probably the best part are the little repeating beats. You know, bits is like, oh, and by the way, if you don't know where Switzerland is, it goes Switzerland, Argentina, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, <laughs> and then that's where it yeah. is. Yeah. Um, and then of course yeah. the fact that if you if you just keep watching the whole thing, you know, you get through yeah. the the whole act and it's all hilarious, and then he basically does the act again. In French. In French. <laughs> yep. And the jokes so. are really funny in French. Yep. And I, it's, I also like know. the bit where he's like, I went to Euro Disney, and the people at, at Disney were making it, and they're like, no, 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 you'll have to make it a little bigger here. 
Yeah, they we have actually castles have castles here. Not yeah. Made of plastic. <laughs> yep. Oh, it's there's just so many, so many brilliant things. The fact that God is Sean Connery, or um, oh, what's the name? God, of that is, other God actor? is um, Sean Connery was Henry yeah, it, VIII. Sean God Connery is, is or or Moses or <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yes, or uh, the uh, Martin Luther pinning his thesis. Ina minute right. bitte, ik habe yeah. eine kleinen Problemo avec dieser religion. Like, <laughs> he, he was everywhere. He's like, oh, what's the problem, Doctor Heimlich? I have invented a maneuver. <laughs> What are you, a bloody tank commander? Hilda, <laughs> Hilda, wake up! What's the matter, Dr. Heimlich? I'm your husband. Fine, what's the matter, Gunther? Yep. So infinitely quotable and infinitely gets me yelled at because I never quoted right. That, right. That was the movie Speed in French, which yep. was called La Vitesse. Or at least it should have been. It was actually called Speed. Speed. <laughs> so that's your biggest influence right there um yeah as far as stand-up there's uh there's this chicken her first name is maria and i forget uh what her last maria bamford name yes she is brilliant she is so funny and she's so mousy and she has this this whole routine that she does where it's like she's gonna make a uh a sitcom called me, my mom, and a monster, <laughs> where it's like her, she's living back with her mom, and there's a monster that's living in their garage, who's like this enormous monster. Yeah. And she's like, oh, like her mom's like, oh, sweetie, I'm going to take the monster to church. He's <laughs> like, mom, the monster doesn't understand what church is. Like, yeah, but he loves to sing. And she goes like, Jesus, Jesus. I'm gonna have to find and that. And she one does such incredible voices. Oh yeah, her up. her range of voices is just amazing. Ah, uh, the yeah. face looks familiar now that I see it. Mm-hmm. So she did two Comedy yeah. Central. Presents. And look at that; she has the exact same birthday as I do. Wow, exact same. There you go. Really? Wow. Yes, September third, nineteen seventy. Yep. Well, that's a year. There you go. And she's that successful. Is Yes, uh, I wonder what's going on with that. Thanks, Doesn't that Matthew. make you feel old, bastard? Doesn't that put you on a clock? Yes, it does. All right, everybody, thanks so much. Tune in tomorrow. We've got one more episode to bring you on Saturday as we wrap up our week of celebrations for our fifth anniversary, fifth birthday, fifth whatever you want to put in that blank. Uh, thanks so much for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. Uh, stick around, and uh, we'll have some more great stuff on the way. Bye. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat the X-ray vision of a Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well, I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew They kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler 
about a way If I was hulking green or gray I could just bust through that brick wall Take their comic books away But then the little meat would deal With all the tanks and bombs and guns Have you ever tried to read a series With all that going on Guess I need to rethink this plan How would I back and board my comics With such huge hands Guess I already told ya What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah what a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm star raving rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine be In the Middle East With a king sign throwing soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler Major Spoilers is copyright 2011